Hello and welcome to Here's a Johnny's Reviews, the movie review podcast that will slice and dice or praise and hype a movie. Each month there's a theme and this month it's John Carpenter Classics 2. Which is my look at Dark Star, Big Trouble Model China, Escape from New York and tonight's movie, the 19... Oh, again, 1980, it's question 1999, 1982 cult classic The Thing, based off a book, Who Goes There, and kind of a remake of The Thing from Another World from 1952. This was released in, as I said, 82, and sadly tanked after film to take on E.T. and indeed Blade Runner. It was also slated by critics calling it too gross and too overproduced. However, 30 plus years later, has this thing rightly become a cult movie. Not to mention the fact in 2002 there was a PlayStation 2 game, which I never actually played. That looks suspiciously like a Resident Evil clone, but apparently is a quite a good game and has the voice of John Carpenter as one of the playable characters. Anyway, back to the movie itself. With its $15 million budget, the thing sadly pulled in 19. I guess ET was a juggernaut that just couldn't be stopped then. And so a cult movie was born. And I wasn't going to mention the 2011 prequel sequel remake, as that was just a quick cash grab piece of CGI trash. Although, according to the behind the scenes on that uh, blurry, um, there was actual practical effects news, but the CGI was plastered on top of it because reasons? Anyway, on to this movie, starring Kurt Russell, Keith David, Wolford Brimley, David Clennon, T.K. Carter, Charles Halloran, Donald Moffat, and Jed the Wolf. Directed by John Carpenter, the plot. An American research team in Antarctica have to deal with paranoia and distrust as they find an aggressive alien life form that can mimic any appearance it wants to in order to survive. Who is human? Who is the thing? Can the team figure out who is still human and stop the alien from escaping? to take over the world, or indeed is the world doomed after the credits and the creepy slow-mo music. Do we see a UFO crash land on Earth? Then up comes the black titles as the thing is burned on screen. And note, this UFO was actually a model about a foot and a half wide and made from uh, wood, brass and plastic resin with LED lights under it flashing around. However, the Earth itself is actually a matte painting done by Hitchcock's go-to matte painting artist. Also note, this was done, uh, the thing title thing was done by stretching a garbage bag over a fish tank filled with smoke and using a stage light to burn out the letters spelling the thing, which apparently took eight or nine attempts because it kept on burning in one big blob. But anyway, moving on. So hundreds of thousands, if not millions of years later, at the Antarctic... Antarctica, whatever. In 1982, winter, uh, do we see a helicopter desperately chasing a husky as it takes pot shots with its sniper rifle? Note, the rifle man is movie producer Larry Franco. Also, this isn't Jed the dog, but some other dog picked up to look like him. Also, these helicopter stunts were done for real by what Camter called Wildman Pilots. And I will say, if this guy was a better shot, then this movie would never even happen. In fact, because he has, like, what, 12, 13 clear shots and misses the dog every single fucking time. 
Jesus Christ. <clears throat> at US National Science Station. Ah, uh, say that again. At US National Science Station 4. So why is it called Outpost 31? Anyway, moving on. We meet Pilot McCready, played by Kurt Russell, of Escape from New York and Los Angeles, Big Trouble Until China, Overboard, Death Proof and Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, as he plays chess on one of the station's many computers, which wins, so he pours Giant B over it and just storms off because he's a bad loser, I'm guessing. Note the computer's voice is Adrian Barbour, who was Carpenter's girlfriend or wife, I'm not sure, at the time. Uh, the dog finally makes it to the science station, and shouldn't he be able to hear the fucking helicopter coming from a mile off, not to mention the gunfire, as us constantly shooting at this thing? Moving on. Note, this science... Sci- oh, I can't fucking speak. <laughs> Note, this science station is actually in British Columbia, Canada, and was built in the summer of 1981. Also note... Just as the dog reaches the sign for the camp, the poor dog was terrified as the helicopter was only five foot above its head. Poor bloody dog. The copter buzzes the camp and this brings out most of the crew as the pilot has now started throwing grenades at the dog. The copter lands just as the dog runs up to one of the men. Does the pilot drop a grenade in the snow and accidentally blows himself and the copter to pieces? The rifleman screams on Norwegian, taking pot shots at the dog and clips one of the men. So team leader, Gary, played by Donald Moffat, of Bonfire of the Vanities, House Sitter, clear and present danger, and Westwing shoots the Raveman dead with one shot to the eye using a revolver. And that was some bloody well shot. He must have been about 20 feet away and he gets him with one shot clean in the eye, even against the wind. Jesus Christ. Maybe he should have shot the fucking thing. <clears throat> Moving on. The crew then rush out to put the helicopter fire as the dog makes friends with the crew. As the camp doctor, Dr. Cooper, played by Richard Dystart of LA Law fame, stitched up Bennings, played by Peter Maloney of Manhunter, Jake Marquise, JFK, Thinner and Requiem of a Dream. He's giving him four stitches and removing the bullet, saying... It would have been cabin fever that made the Norwegians go bug nuts, even though it's only been at least six to eight weeks. Therefore, cabin fever shouldn't have set in yet. Radio operator Windows, played by Thomas Waits of the Warriors fame, tries in vain to contact anyone for help, even after Dr. Blair, played by Wolver Brimley of Cocoon 1 and 2, The Firm, In and Out, and Did You Hear About the Morgans, pressures him to get someone, anyone on radio for help. Even though in this prequel. Um, there's a Russian camp not that far, so I didn't have to pick up the radio stations. Anyway, moving on. Camp Cook Knowles, played by T.K. Carter, is rollerblading around the place. Isn't that kind of dangerous being a bloody cook on rollerblades? <laughs> Into the rec room where the body is being held as the others are gathering. Including Palmer, played by David Clanning, Norris, played by Charles Halloran, Hallahan even, and Fuchs, played by Joe Polis. And of course, Childs, played by David Keith of They Live. And other stuff, by the way, check Marcus of They Live. Dr. Cooper wants to check out the Norwegian camp to find out why they went crazy. So he takes McCready with him. And note, once a helicopter is in the air, that is actually Kurt Russell flying this fucking thing. As I said, wild men, bloody helicopter pilots. With the camp settled, this gives the chance for the dog to scope out the camp, and he will meet the Thing Dog, played by Jed, who was star of the White Fine movies, as it slowly checks out each and every room. And note, this wolf slash 
Malmute wasn't trained at the time, so these movements were done naturally as he eerily sneaks down the hallway to befriend a faceless camp member. So later that afternoon, the helicopter lands and finds the region camp destroyed with a weird two-headed creature burned alive. Also, they say this camp's only an hour away. Why the hell did it take all of them to get there? I mean... They find the radio operator frozen dead in his seat with his throat and wrist slit. Checking out the rooms, they find everything has been utterly destroyed. McCready then checks out the final room, finding a huge chunk of hollowed-out ice. With that, they turn to the base, with the Thing Dog watching them as they land. They then show the camp the two-headed creature, with Dr. Blair running an autopsy on it, finding out it's part human. And note, this was Wilford Brimley actually doing these autopsy scenes, pulling out organs, because it seems he was an old cowboy and didn't beat an eye as he's pulling out livers and lungs and intestines, etc, etc. These were real intestines. I believe they were sheep intestines, but that is just disgusting. Anyway, moving on. I guess this is why they're hated back in the day, because this is such a disgusting movie for no bloody well apparent reason other than just to gross out the people. Anyway, moving on. That night, the Thing Dog starts to take over people by taking a sample of Bennings, subtly brushing up against him, as he shouts at Clark, played by Richard Mazur, to put the put it with the other mutts, aka the Slay Dogs. And here we see Stan Winston's, quote, flower dog, as it kills all the other dogs in the kennels. And note, these poor dogs were terrified of this bloody well puppet, as one gets squished down with at least a gallon of sticky watered down honey, I believe it was the news for when it sprays the dog as just poor dog. Clark checks out the noise and sees the thing dog has transformed into whatever the fuck it is. I mean it's got like dog parts and there's like teeth over the place and it opens up and shows its big face and it's a flower, hence it's called a flower dog. McCready mm. then torches it using a flamethrower. And again, I can see why this movie was hated. The effects are just too much. Did we really need to see a skin dog, a head spider thing type, what the hell it is, and have the neck stretch out as the the thing uh, comes apart from the guy with the, the thing bursts out of his chest, but I'll get to that later. Do we have to have all this gore? I mean, gore does not equal scary, it just equals disgusting. I'm not a gorehound myself, and I like my scares to be subtle. And only bloody when absolutely necessary, but do we, do we, did we need to have to see these skin dogs and the whole thing, and the whole ripping of things apart? No, we didn't. This is why this was hated back in the 80s. Anyway, now with the quote, flubber dog dead, the camp knows what's up against. In the morning, Blair does another autopsy on the dogs, finding out it tried to copy the dog. And this makes no bloody sense. Why would it try to copy the huskies if it already was a husky? This makes no sense. Why would it... <sighs> Moving on. Blair asks Clark how long the dog has been wandering around camp. And also how long he's been with the dog. With him saying most of the day. And he spent about an hour or two with this dog. Later, the camp watches the videotapes from the Norwegian camp. And here we see the UFO buried under the ice. So out goes McCready, Norris and Childs. I think it's child actually, it could be the cook, but I'm not sure. To see the site and find the UFO, which the Norwegians have blew up. They also find a huge hole in the ice where the thing's body was frozen to death hundreds, if not thousands, of years earlier, or millions of years earlier, even. 
Back at the camp, McCready tells others what they've found. And no one believes him, even after they saw the fucking thing dog and nobody believes him about the UFO. Oh, for God's sake. So Blair runs tests on the thing blood, finding out within seconds it can copy cells. Also, he runs a computer simulation that thinks there's a 75% chance of one or more of the men being the thing and not entirely human. Also, it sets out that within 27,000 hours, the human race will be taken over by the thing if it gets away from this, this camp. So the bodies are put in storage as McCready must remove his stuff. Fuchs tells him to meet him outside and here is the start of the paranoia. As outside, Fuchs tells McCready he's worried for Blair's mental state as he's locked himself into his laboratory and he isn't opening the door for anyone. So Fuchs steals one of his notebooks and he finds out Blair thinks it's still alive in a cellular level, even though it's been roasted alive and may have taken over at least three people. Windows returns to Bennings in the storeroom just as just in time to see the thing is copying him. So he runs for help, running to McCready. Windows raises the alarm and they soon hunt down Bennings thing and torture alive as it screams in agony. Once it's burnt to pieces, McCready sends the rest into the rec room just before leaving himself. He sees Blair running from a helicopter Checking out who finds the helicopter is indeed being trashed. Also, so is one of the many, many snowcats. Inside the radio room, Blair is ranting and raving as he has bundles on the floor with nasty cuts all over his face while he's trashing equipment with an axe and a gun. They all bum rush him and lock him in at the tool shed. McCready then tries to get out of Blair why he smashed up the equipment, the copters and the tractors or snowcats. But all good of him was, watch out for Clark, don't trust Clark, he is a thing. Now Paranoia has well and truly kicked in, so Cooper comes up with a plan to find out who's still human using a blood test. Unfortunately, someone has destroyed all the blood packs, so fingers are started pointing as tempers flare. Windows runs for a gun, but is stopped by Gary, as no one trusts him anymore, McCready is put in charge. Outside McCready gives a speech, he knows he's still human, and he knows some of the guys are too, but the thing will wait for its chance to take over them, one by one, unless it's stopped finally. As inside the rec room, Norris uh, knocks out um, three of the men as Childs watches over him. I mean, he ejects him some sort of, I don't know, morphine mixture or the hell it is. McCready then records a message for anyone that will find it in the spring. Later that night, McCready asks Fuchs if he has any ideas with him saying a one or two, but doesn't know who to trust anymore, so they must prepare their own food at all times and never take anything for anyone. Paranoia has well and truly kicked in then. As McCready walks off, does the camp lose power, so Fuchs checks out, following someone out into the cold, where he finds McCready's clothes have been torn up. And I should mention, every time they find torn clothes, it means that the thing has copied a person. So is McCready actually a thing? Hmm. As back inside the rec room, an hour later, McCready sends out search parties looking for Fuchs. Yet more infighting, as no one trusts anyone. McCready checks on Blair, who has made a noose. How dark is that? Who then tells him he hears things out in the cold, and he hasn't seen Fuchs in days. 
Windows finds a body. It's Fuchs! With that, McCready sends Windows back inside to tell others they found Fuchs's dead body. And by dead, I mean it's been torched alive. What was it? Suicide? Did the thing kill it? Did someone else kill him? This is the whole... My main point with this movie is who killed Fuchs? And also, who? what happened to the cook at the very end of the movie? He just disappears off screen. Who kills Fuchs and was the cook indeed dead? Did Bud get taken over when he first done the autopsy? Why was people taken over and it doesn't actually show you when they were taken over? That is my main problem with this bloody well movie. So Windows runs inside to tell the others it's Fuchs's dead body. As he and the cook check out McCready's cabin. As McCready said he turned off the lights two days before and are now back on. 45 minutes later, Childs gets the men to lock up and borrow the windows and doors. Uh, as Norris sees someone coming, so he yells at others, It's the cook! He says he cut McCready loose after he found McCready's torn clothes in his cabin. And by cut him loose, he means he cut the guide rope so he's lost in the snowstorm. What in the actual... This movie sort of falls to pieces towards the middle. If not, end. someone's at the door, however, trying to get in. A window is smashed and McCready is inside. Childs then uses an axe uh, to smash down a door and here they find McCready holding TNT, threatening to blow the place sky high if anybody even tries to touch him. Norris and the cook grab him from behind and in a struggle, Norris has a heart attack. He starts to see Dr. Cooper and here we find out he is a thing as it bites off the doctor's arms. And note, these were done by using jelly arms, rubber skin and fake blood or touched a man who lost his arms in an industrial accident years earlier. Before this happens however, McCready tries his best to keep the men at bay as none of them are buying his story that someone's trying to set him up because why would you believe him in moving on the thing shows one of its many forms as McCready torches it the head melts off and becomes a Norris head spider thing as it grows legs and eyes and runs off so McCready roasts it alive McCready then gets the men to tie themselves up while he figures out who is still human Clark doesn't stand for it, so McCready shoots him clean in the face with the gun. Now all tied up, McCready tells the men he believes each and every part of the creature is its own being. I'm all fight to protect itself and indeed stay alive. Therefore, if it takes blood from each and every person and it doesn't react with the fire, then they're still human. But if it does, they're a thing and indeed they will be killed. First to be tested is Windows, he's human. Then his own blood, he's human. Next is Dr. Cooper, he is human also. Then Clark, he is also human. Next is Palmer, and it reacts. He's a thing. When did he become a thing? Who knows? Why did he become a thing? Who cares? He's just a thing. So, and that's another thing. The thing only takes about four people. You know, um, one of the doctors, Windows, Norris, and Blair. That's why he just took over three? There's like 15 people at the bloody well camp. He starts to shake violently in his seat as McCready's flamethrower miraculously doesn't work. So Parmer turns into a thing with blood pouring down its face and its eyes bulging as the rest panic as they're still tied down to this bloody well thing. It escapes flying to the ceiling and kills Windows before he could even react with the spare flamethrower. Once it spits out Windows, McCready roasts it again. It goes outside so McCready blows up with some TNT. Back inside, McCready roasts Windows alive. Once he's put out, McCready runs to test the remaining three, and they're indeed all human. 
an interesting theory I came across while I was researching this. If you are shown to have lights in your eyes, or life in your eye rather, then you are still human. If not, you're a thing. McCready leaves Childs, who is wearing a dark blue overcoat, uh, on watch as others go outside to give Blair the test. Finding the tool shed emptied and a hole in the floor, down they go to find out that Blair Thing has been busy indeed, and he's building himself a UFO out of spare helicopter parts. How the hell that could be space for is beyond me. Back in camp, Childs isn't at his post and the door is wide opened. The cook sees Childs running outside just as the lights go off. Is he a thing? With no power, it'll be minus a hundred degrees within an hour and they will indeed freeze to death. So McCready plans to blow up the UFO and the camp, pulling the thing into the open to be killed. With that, they trash everything, blow everything up and hunt the thing. In the final room, the janitor room, they find the janitor has been missing. So McCready gets Gary and the cook to plant TNT around the camp. First to die is Gary, as the thing Dr. Blair seals his mouth shut using his fingers to choke him to death. Next is the cook, who has lured down a hole to be killed off screen. Again, what happened to the cook? Why was he, his death never actually shown? Finally, it's McCready versus the thing showing off its full body of Blair, mixed with a dog, mixed with the other things it's came across in its lifespan. McCready then throws TNT, blowing up, saying, yeah, well, fuck you too. As outside the camp burns down slowly, McCready sits to finish off a bottle of Giant Bee. Just then, Charles comes out of the shadows in a grey coat. So McCready gives him a sip of whiskey and just smirks. However, is this thing actually whiskey or is it a Molotov cocktail? And indeed, is Charles a thing? as credits roll. So that was The Thing, one of Carpenter's best great practical effects done by Rob Bolton, costing $1.5 million. That was wrongfully shunned by the Oscars, great soundtrack, great acting, and overall a great 80s sci-fi. However, I would have toned back the gore just a little bit and there's one or two plot holes that could have been sewn up, like for instance, who killed Fuchs, what happened to the cook, why was Blair the only thing that actually used intelligence to build stuff, not just attack again and again and again, that um, what happens when other ones were found, hmm. However, I'm going to say this is a great sci fiction movie, and I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10. Come back next week for Escape from New York, then the following week for Big Trouble in Little China. February is Love Sucks, which is vampire movies such as Fright Night and Vamp. March is B-movie, March Madness again, such as The Stuff Evil Dead 3 and Chud 2, Bud of the Chud. April is Aliens, May of Star Wars prequels, June is Batman, July is Piranha, August is Alpha Hitchcock movies including The Birds and Ray Windows. And September is Stephen King movies, including Carrie and Cat's Eyes. October is House on Haunted Hill. And November is Night of Movies, such as Night of the Dead, Night of the Creeps, and Night of the Demons. December is End of the World of Movies, because why not? So don't get, forget to... Uh, say that again. Don't forget to like, share, comment, and subscribe. Also follow me on Twitter at Pod and email me with suggestions to heresjourningsreviews at gmail.com. Check out my other horror podcasts of Hellraiser, House, Resident Evil, Underworld and more. Also my solo podcast of The Fog, Donna Darko, Chaz Play and many, many more. A bye. And remember, I watch these movies so you don't have to.